0: Welcome to the Invictus Church podcast. We're grateful that you've chosen to listen and we want to invite you to join us each week as we upload new content. Our prayer each week is that those who listen in would not just be stirred or inspired but also changed. Now get ready for life change with this week's message from Invictus Church. Welcome everybody this morning. Merry Christmas. Yeah you guys sound great man. What a wonderful day it is to uh, celebrate the birth of Christ and to celebrate together. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and start turning, if you would, to Matthew chapter one. And uh, before we read that, I, I want to tell you something about myself. Um, I'm, I'm sometimes an optimist, sometimes I'm not. Today I'm an optimist, though. Anybody here, you call yourself an optimist, you're a pretty op- optimistic person. You, you, you're one of those people that sees the glass. That is half full, right? You've heard that before. An optimist is somebody that sees the glass as half full. A pessimist sees the glass as what? Half empty. But you know what an engineer sees? A glass that's two times bigger than it needs to be. That's what an engineer sees. Well, uh, an optimist is also somebody who uh, gets married at age 75 and then starts looking for a house near a school. That's an optimist, right? Um, And uh, today I am an optimist because we have been going through this series, Unwrapping God, and we've been looking at different names that have been attributed to God in Scripture. And uh, we've looked at three names so far, but in the Bible, there are 952 different names attributed to God. 952. We've studied in this series three of them. So today we're going to look at 949 names of God. I'm an optimist. I believe we can do it. If we do one a second, it'll be a 15-minute sermon. And uh, so that's about right because uh, today, since we've got all the kids in the house, we're kind of shortening the message up a little bit. So one a second. Are you guys ready? Are you optimistic? I'm not that optimistic. Um, I'm going to be a realist, and today we're just going to look at one name of God. Uh, We're going to look at the name... Emmanuel. So let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Last week, we read Matthew, 18, or Matthew 1, 18 through 22. But today, we're going to add one more verse to that story. So let's read here. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break off the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, Amen. which means God is with us. Amen. Man, isn't that cool that God chose the name Emmanuel for Jesus, that he would be called Emmanuel, which means God is with With us. Now, how many of you today would say, you know what, I'm glad God is with me? Yeah, I am too. Uh, I couldn't face this life without the God of the universe being present with me. And the most amazing thing about Christmas is that God came in the human form of Jesus Christ and became Emmanuel, God with us. I'd like to encourage you to write a few things down today. First one, I want you to write down that there are three important truths about Emmanuel. And the first one is that God became one of us. Now, this is hugely important. God became a human being just like you and I are human beings. Jesus suffered from all the same stuff that we suffer from in life. We struggle with things. People hurt us. People turn against us. I would imagine Jesus probably caught a cold every now and then. Jesus might have been a colicky baby. I don't know. All I know is that the scripture says he was tempted in every way just like you and I are tempted except he never sinned. Now how many of you when you were sick laying in bed were tempted to sin? (laughs) I know I have been, right? So I think Jesus probably got sick from time to time. He suffered the same kind of junk that you and I suffer. Ultimately we know that Jesus suffered death on a cross. God became one of us. Think about the profoundness of that for just a second. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. That, that phrase that we've uh, translated there, made his dwelling among us, uh, is, is a word in the Greek language that literally means he uh, put up a tent or a tabernacle. Well, think about that for just a second. Jesus knew this was not going to be his permanent home. So he didn't, he didn't build himself a mansion. He pitched a tent. Amen. Jesus came to live among us, not as some profound, powerful leader or king, but he humbled himself and he lived in a homeless guy's house. He pitched his tent among us. Jesus became one of us, and that is profound. But the next thing that's profound about Emmanuel that I want you to write down is that he became the lowest one of us. God became not just one of us, but the lowest one of us. God could have come in the form of Jesus and been the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. He could have come and been a multi, multi multi-billionaire that makes Donald Trump look poor. He could have come as a president, or as a king, as a leader, as a powerful general, but what did he come as? A poor son of a carpenter, who when he was born, didn't even have a crib to be laid in. And so they laid him in an animal, an animal's feeding trough, a manger. How many of you would lay your baby in a dog dish? None of us, right? God was so humble in his coming to earth that he didn't just come to be one of us. He came to be the least and the lowest one of us. Philippians 2, 5, and 7 says this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who made himself what? Nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. But why did Jesus come in the form of a servant? Why didn't he come in this powerful, influential, amazing, overwhelming way? Well all I can do is tell you what Jesus himself said in Luke 948. For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. Jesus came and became the least one of us, but the third profound truth I want you to write down about Emmanuel today is that God didn't just come to be one of us. He didn't just come to be the lowest one of us, but ultimately it was because he was the lowest, God became the greatest one of us. It was in sacrificing himself for us that Jesus became great and his legacy has been cemented throughout time. No one else in human history divided time in half. A.D. and B.C., right? Before Christ and Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Now, in universities today and in, in, our, in our schools, even our public schools, they're teaching, it's no longer called Before Christ and, A., and B.C. and A.D. It's now B.C.E., Before Common Era and C.E., Common Era. And now, whatever you name it, it was still split in two by Jesus, the greatest one of us who was the least one of us, he divided time in half because of his lowliness that made him the greatest one of us. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus says, for even I, the son of man, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many What made Jesus so great is that last part of his statement there, to give my life as a ransom for many. You see, here is why Jesus came. God made us so we could know him. He didn't make you just to wind you up like a toy and put you on the ground and watch you play. He made you to know you. He made each one of us to know know him. And that's why every human culture in the history of the world has been religious because in the heart of every person is a desire to know God and connect with God. Scripture puts it this way, God put eternity in the hearts of men. We know that we're not made for this. Have you ever wondered why we get so dissatisfied on earth? Mick Jagger nailed it when he said so perfectly, I can't get no satisfaction." And Bono and you too, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Why are we so dissatisfied with this world? Why is this world with all the awesome stuff in it not enough to satisfy us? Because we weren't made for this. There is no other logical explanation except that God created us for more than this. God made us to connect with him. But there's a problem. We've sinned. God is a perfect God. And we, he created us to know him, but he gave us the option to love him or reject him. He gave us the option to obey him or to disobey him. Why did he do that? Why didn't God just make us so that we would automatically do the right thing? Because if he did that, We couldn't love him. We would be robots. If you have to love God, it's not a choice. That's not love. You ever had a little puppy or a little kitten that wanted to squirm and get away? And and what did you do when you were younger? You'd squeeze the dog tighter and its eyeballs were like, (laughs) coming out. And, And in your heart of hearts, you're screaming, love me! But that's not love if you make the dog love you, right? What does that dog do? What does that cat do? They wind up hating you. They wind up going, I don't want to be around that person. Why? Because you force them. God does not force himself on us. He gave us the freedom to choose whether we would love him or reject him. Amen. And when we choose to disobey God, to reject what he wants for us, it's called sin. All of us are guilty. Every single one of us. Think of it this way. That this rug that I'm standing on. Uh, this is a chasm, if you will. On one side is God over here, and on this other side is humankind, and we are divided, split, and cut off from God by this chasm called sin. It's this massive gulf between us that keeps us from getting to God. Now, every religion in the world has tried to get to God except Christianity. Christianity is the exception. Here's, here's what it looks like. People want to get to God, so they try good works. And it only gets them so far. They can't get all the way across the chasm to God. They, they try religion and it only gets them so far. They, they try education, and it only gets them so far. They try self-help and, and self-improvement, and it only gets them so far. People try to pray their way to God. Oh, if I just pray enough, I'll get to God. And they still can't get to God. Nothing that we can do by our human effort will take us from this side to that side. Christianity flipped religion on its ear when God Saw the problem. And he knew he was the only one equipped to solve it. So he sent his son Jesus, who laid down his life and became the bridge connecting sinful man to a perfect God. It was through the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Emmanuel. Jesus, that we can be forgiven and that we can get to God. Some people would say, you know, Alan, and you Christians, you're horrible people because you say there's only one way to get to God. You're exclusivists. You're stuck up. You're snooty. You think everybody else is wrong, and you're bad for that. Why, if God loved us so much, would he only provide one way to him? My answer to that is another question. Why would a perfect God who deserves nothing but respect and honor and glory and has received instead rejection and heartbreak and hurt, why would that perfect God provide any way? The fact that he provides any way at all proves that he is the most loving creature in existence God loved the world so much the world, the sinful, wretched, foul messed up, broken world you may not like my choice of words there you might say, boy, that's harsh, man but it's true if you are honest, you've messed up, haven't you? Anybody here willing to say they're perfect? Come on, be brave. Almost faked somebody out back there. He was about to raise his hand. He thought I was gonna say, anybody here willing to admit you're messed up? Let's try that one. Anybody here willing to admit that you messed up? You've blown it. Those of you not raising your hands, you're liars. So you blew it right now. We are broken, aren't we? If we're honest, we're broken. And Broken things need to be fixed. Amen. And Jesus is the answer to our brokenness. Amen. God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever in the wretched, broken, sinful world would believe in him would not perish and fall into the chasm, the depths of despair, but have eternal life. It is through the person of Jesus Christ that we can be saved. First Timothy 2, 4 through 7 in the Living Bible puts it this way. For God longs for all to be saved, to understand this truth: that God is on one side and all the people are on the other side. And Christ Jesus Himself, a man, is between them to bring them together by giving his life for all mankind. And Acts 4:12 says there is salvation. And no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. When you stop trying to get to God on your own power, and you simply trust that he is good enough to take you there, that is when you move from death to life. It's not by your power It's by the power of Jesus and what he did on the cross. Guys, that's good news, and that's what Christmas is really about. Have you ever thought about this? Christmas is just pre-Easter. My kids growing up would ask me, Dad, what's your favorite holiday? And I would always say Easter. Easter's my favorite holiday because that's when Jesus destroyed death once and for all. And that excites me. I've always wondered, as a kid growing up in the church, I became a Christian when I was 15 years old. I was kind of a slow learner. I think I was born probably on the front pew of my parents' church. Uh, can you just imagine that? Pastors saying, all right, somebody say amen, and my mom goes, ah, and a baby falls out. Um, I grew up in the church, but it took me 15 years to understand what Jesus was really about. And when I became a follower of Jesus, it changed absolutely everything in my life and I learned I learned that God was with me God was with me I stopped believing in myself and I started believing in him and everything changed I've never looked back from that moment I'll never forget it I didn't know what else to do I was 15 years old And uh, I was laying in bed one night, and God reminded me of a verse of scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And it was almost like God was speaking to me and saying, Alan, that is the picture of what a Christian is, someone who trusts me completely and doesn't trust themselves. And Alan, the reason your paths are not straight, the reason you're wandering and lost and frustrated and confused is because you haven't trusted in me. I didn't know what else to do, so I got out of my bed and I got on my knees and I said, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. My life was different after that. I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't going to parties and doing drugs and drinking or anything like that. I was, you know, I liked comic books. I was a dork. (laughs) Still am. Proud geek. And you know what? My parents said, even though you were a good kid, there was a dramatic change in you. You were not the same after that. You see, that is why Emmanuel is so important. Because when you realize God is with me, everything changes. Everything changes. The greatest act in human history was when Jesus laid down his life for each one of us. It was that greatest act that made him the greatest one of us. And that is why one day, Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, will be fulfilled. Scripture says this, "At at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone, everywhere will one day say Jesus is Lord because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Landry, go ahead and roll that video. Who would have thought that on this seemingly ordinary night, that an ancient promise would be fulfilled. We might expect the King of Kings to step out of eternity and into the best the earth could offer. But God, the creator of the universe, chose to enter our world in the lowliest of places. He came humbly, giving up his privileges coming like us in every way. He came to the poor in spirit and to all who were lost. He was born for us, a gift to us. Not as an earthly king, but as one among us, familiar with our messy, imperfect lives. Not a stranger to pain, but sharing in all our humanity, born to die and bring everlasting life. Today, we celebrate Jesus. He was and is and always will be Emmanuel, God with us. God with us make that personal for just a second and say God with me would you do that say God is, with me. God is with me Emmanuel God is with me he is with you when you are hurting Emmanuel God is with you when you are lonely Emmanuel God is with you when you are hopeless He is with you. When you have been abandoned by others, when you don't have enough money, when you are sick and infirm, when your relationships have been strained and have been broken, when you are worn out completely, when you are sick, when you are ill, when you are destitute, when you are broken, when you are a mess, when you feel hopeless, when you are anxious, when you are depressed, Emmanuel, God is with you. When you feel like giving up. He is with you. And when you realize that. And you give your life to Emmanuel. Everything. Everything changes. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the Invictus Church Podcast. Be sure to tune in every week for more new content. We'd like to invite you to join us in person for our weekend worship services. To get more information about our meeting times and location, please visit us online at www.invictus.church. If this or any of our episodes have inspired you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus, please let us know by sending us a note at info at invictus.church. We would love to hear how our message has helped change your life. Also, if our podcast has been meaningful for you and you'd like to give financially to our ministry, you can easily make your contribution online at www.invictus.church. Thanks one more time for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week.